Hey, my name is Gavin, and I am the producer of Off the Notepad. After about a week of being ill, I'm back. Hopefully there will be no more delays to these episodes. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's hop right into the first segment of today's show, and I will see you at the intermission. Hello, welcome to Off the Notepad. I am Victoria D'Angelo. And I'm Halika Campbell. <laughs> Neither of us could decide to speak in that moment. We're both some of the greatest creative writing majors um, out there. I once claimed that we were the second best. That was a lie. <laughs> what is the truth, Halika? Uh, the truth is that no one will surpass us. But maybe if you keep listening, you could try. Maybe you can make second place. I mean, that's true. Actually, if you collect all of the off the notepad episodes, like our collectibles in stores now, you can um, you can actually become our third host. Yeah, if you're good enough, maybe we'll consider you. Yeah, you may be delegated to stool for a while, but one day you could be sentient. I think this is a great way to engage our audience, just belittling them right off the bat. Absolutely! I won't thank you for joining, you should thank me for hosting. You're gonna get a completely <laughs> different audience. That's, that's true. Um, how about writing? Yeah, how about writing? What an amazing gift it is to write. And today, do I have a protagonist for you? Ooh, let's go. Okay. In the past, we've had the edgy teenager. We've had the nine-year-old. We've had others that I'm forgetting in this moment, but we have not had the can-do princess. Ooh. This character is typically punished for her naivete. Usually it kind of ends up where she does something and it inadvertently harms the people she loves or it messes up her goal in the long run. As dire as things seem, she never loses hope and she always has an out-of-the-box way of thinking. She's quirky. She's not like other girls. She's Rapunzel. She is Rapunzel. I'm so glad you pointed this out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's who we're working with today. Perfect. Rapunzel's going to have fun with this. Yeah, she is. <laughs> so our princess finds pixies in their garden or a garden that they frequent. And the pixies offer to grant any wish for a price. Ooh. This brings me back to our old woman on the airplane. Mm-hmm. Classic. Mm-hmm. What you doing, Mr. Producer? What you up to there? <laughs> Anyways, what would you what would you consider? <laughs> what would you say a a price is for like getting anything you want granted? Right? It's like any wish, right? Yeah. Do you suppose there's a set price, or does the price depend on what you ask for? Oh, does it fluctuate? I think let's talk about the the finite version. There's a set price for certain wishes, but maybe it's based on how big the wish is. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, we always talk about wishes in terms of like, oh, what is the what is the word I'm looking for? We always punish our characters for making wishes. What if we tried writing a story where that doesn't? It's not as harsh. Like maybe our princess doesn't have to give up literal pieces of her soul. <laughs> Just pieces of other people's souls. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe she has to do some hard labor for these pixies. Like, maybe they want their garden to look a little nicer. Mm, mm. But she can't delegate it to her gardeners. That's actually kind of cute. It's kind of a cute little story. Yeah, our happy-go-lucky princess, though, would, like, totally be down for that. She's oh, like, yeah. gardening? Yes. She's like, now I have a reason to, like, get my hands in the dirt. Like, yeah. Yeah. What would our princess even wish for? Because I think it's pretty common. Like, she wants to leave home, have her own adventures. 
as always, as all can-do princesses do. Uh-huh. Mm, no, I'm real. I'm trying really hard not to Rapunzel all over this. That's fair. Oh, let's see. What does a princess want? Well, maybe she wants her parents to disappear for a day. Interesting. And maybe the more work she does <coughs> for the pixies, the longer they're gone. Yeah, like like she loves her parents. Like, but please shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> Get out of my face. Like, let me just let me do things. Let me live. Let me adventure. Yeah. Let me go into the city without being surrounded by twenty guards. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Don't lock me in a tower, please. Please, I'm begging. Please. With one window. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, does our princess like her people? Does she care about them? Because I feel like if you get rid of the king and queen for even a day, it's kind of a massive political problem. And it doesn't sound like she's really helping out if she's in the garden. <laughs> um, I don't know. I suppose it would depend on the monarchy, because I, I have no doubt like a king and queen can leave for a, a day or two. It could very well be longer than that, but they could leave for a day or two and they have like advisors and generals and these people who can keep things running smoothly. Mm -hmm. So maybe a B-plot is like the head advisor finally gets their shot at... Ooh, yeah. The kingdom. That'd be kind of interesting. I'd and like... that person is convincing Princess to keep this spell going. Oh, yeah. I even like the idea that they don't know what's going on. They actually think that they've willed the king and queen to go away. Because that, it just creates like a whole different kind of disaster. Oh, no. Because eventually the princess is going to want her parents back. Mm -hmm. I would hope so. Mm -hmm. She's like, you know, it is kind of a little lonely without my 20 guards bringing me into the city. So she lets her parents come back for like an hour or two. And the advisor's like in in their head, just go away, go away, go away, go away. Oh my god, I would love this as like a uh, uh, flip back and forth POV between the princess and, and the this this spiteful advisor who's like, God, my life has been so hard. I'm finally getting a chance. Why are they back? Oh yeah, because you know it would be a really funny twist on like the the evil. The evil advisor, like, you know, Jafar from Aladdin. Where yeah, it's like, yeah. what if you just gave that character what they wanted before they became, like, world evil magic mage? That did not make sense at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the idea of this spiteful advisor, like, genuinely not actually having anything significant or powerful about themselves. Oh, they yeah. just think very highly of themselves. Mm -hmm. But if you gave them, like, enough time, they could lead a revolt against the kingdom. Absolutely. Ugh. That'd be really interesting, especially because like if you separate their plot lines where they don't, where the advisor doesn't know that the princess is causing this, it's so funny to go back and forth between those two where the princess is like, I finally have like freedom. And it's this uh, coming of age story where for the advisor, it's like almost self-fulfillment. Like, <laughs> finally, everything is mine. <laughs> it's like, so obnoxious. I would love to get, like, the most cliche I could possibly get during that guy's part. Mm-hmm. God, even better, like, if he's just, like, he actually sucks at running a kingdom. Oh, yeah. Like, it looked so much easier when the king and queen were doing it. He thought he could take care of it. We can't. By the end of his arc, he's like, please come back. I'm sorry I wished you guys away. I'm begging. Get me out of here. I want to retire. Oh. I want to retire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, then the difficult part would be if the king and queen need to come back to finish out the advisor storyline, how do they tie back into the princesses? Because at this point, she's gotten her freedom. She's doing like hands-on work in the garden. What makes her want them back full time? What makes her stop wishing? 
Um, I think part of what could play into that is what happens to her parents when they go away. Are they, like, going on a trip? Are they disappearing into the void? Are they temporarily dead? Mm. And does she know this when she first makes the wish? Ooh. I definitely think it's not something she knows. But she just kind of wants them to go away, and they just kind of do. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of... You know what I think it is? I think they have a dinner, and she's like, you know what, I want my parents back. And maybe her parents just get, like, put on a time pause. So it's like unpaused. They realize that so much has been changing around them and they feel like they're going insane almost because people are looking older. Because, you know, what? after a while, she's been doing this for maybe a year, maybe two years. So it's like it's that horror in realizing that everything has changed, but you haven't. I would love this princess to maybe not have like a younger sibling, but like a younger person in their life or in the palace or something so that you can very clearly see two years have passed. Oh, like this person grew yeah. like six inches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, like maybe a, an awkward servant kid. Yeah. The king's favorite servant. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like this is a very joyous kingdom. The only person who's suffering in the beginning, well, besides the advisor, would be the princess because she just, in her mind, she just wants freedom. That's mm-hmm. all. That's all. So... I would love if, like, this little servant kid, like, has a really good relationship with the king and is, like, mourning them while they're gone. Right. Almost feels abandoned. Yeah. And then grows to have a relationship with the princess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's part of why she's like, maybe I should bring my parents back indefinitely. Right. Because someone wants them full time. And that would also be the princess having to put aside her own dreams of grandeur. Mm-hmm. What does she do with her newfound freedom? She can't exactly go far because she has to tend to the garden every day. But she can get pretty far into, like, the pixie world. Ooh, yeah. I feel like that could be an interesting space where she's just constantly there. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? That gives a lot of room for the advisor because the princess is never at the castle. King Queen oh, yeah. obviously aren't there. I imagine she would never be at the castle. She would not be completing any duties that she might have. She doesn't want to. No. Mm-mm. It's not like, and no one could find her and make her do them. But the advisor wants to take on all of her duties because he wants that power. Yeah. So it would be really interesting seeing how those two storylines sort of finish out. Because I feel like it could be a... um Oh. I just completely lost that train of thought. Never mind. It could be anything. <laughs> it could be anything indeed. <laughs> Disney, all. please sponsor us. I think Disney should. Do you think you'd ever write a Disney movie? I would love to write a Disney movie. Would you write I would probably. A- well, I, I take it back. I would probably want to write a Disney series. Uh, I feel the same way, yeah. Because they can get more in depth and slightly darker. That's true, yeah. Disney series have been getting really, really good. But also, like, it's hard to... Because so many Disney leads are this princess archetype or just, like, wanting more. I feel like after a while, the desire for freedom can only be done so many times. Mm. So it's, like, it's really hard to come up with ways to make that more intriguing. Because it relates to everyone. Everyone wants more freedom with their lives. You know what I want so bad? What? A Disney prince movie. Oh, my God. We need a Disney Prince movie. Like, as soon as I found out that Eugene was the Dark Prince, I'm like, yes! Give me, yeah. Yes. Give me more Prince, Eugene. Mm-hmm. It really would be interesting. Because, you know, that'd be another way to talk about, like, toxic masculinity is in that sense of... Oh, yeah. Men have to deal with the same issues that princesses do. It's just you're in <sighs> a different outfit. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. But you're still like that figurehead. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if Disney has... I feel like Disney has more female protagonists than male protagonists. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Well, it's also because they can make all the merchandise off of it. All the dolls. I guess. Which is rough. But why? I definitely... I would love to see a Disney Prince movie. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. I want a Disney movie where you have royalty and commoner meet and fall in love and then commoner finds out that they're royalty and they're like nope i'm out i do not want to be royalty i'm good (laughs) see that kind of storyline would be really interesting too because it's like if commoner finds out that they're royalty and it's like oh well i don't want to be royalty so i'm just going to turn this down but the prince is like but we can we can finally be together because you're royalty i'm royalty it works out my parents will support it and commoner's like no that's so cool of you no (laughs) (laughs) like i've always thought that about like aladdin how aladdin finds out that jasmine's a princess and he's like but i love her and i'm like but can you be sultan it's like can you yeah are you aware of what goes into that because like at least I know, like, in the new one, they're like, oh, Jasmine will be Sultan. But at least in the original one, and they even address this in the second or third Aladdin movie, I don't remember, is that Aladdin will have to become Sultan. And if not Sultan, then he's going to be a big figure right? in this place. Yeah. yeah. And this man was a fucking street rat. He probably can't read. He was a street rat who actively, like, harassed citizens. Oh, yeah. He ruined so many lives. Oh, yeah. His businesses. He was cute. He can get by on that. But, like, coach, you you destroyed a lot of the economy. Yeah. With your, your little monkey. People will remember you as a tyrant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like the... The royalty marriages are really interesting because even talking about like real classics like Cinderella, it's like she had no idea what she was getting into. She just didn't want to be abused anymore. But now she's going to be abused by her people in a completely different way. Yeah. It would be fascinating to write the princess advisor story and like actually get into the politics of what it means to be royalty of high standing like with the advisor's plot line mm-hmm. or just like realizing that he's actually not as capable as he thought that's like another way to deconstruct the uh disney ending in a sense mm-hmm. like no it's not happy ever after once you get what you want yeah that's always an interesting one is they end these disney princess movies with a happily ever after and you're just kind of like mm, but no but yeah but that's not how that works like, there's a reason there's... Are there two Frozen movies or three Frozen movies? There's two. There's two. There's I feel two. like there's going to be three. I feel it in my soul. Oh, there better be. Did you know I have an addiction to Frozen content? <laughs> do you? you? Know? I do. It's a pro- the little salamander, the little gecko. Oh little my lizard, god, I bat. love them. Oh, they warmed my heart. Yes. Too much. I had a Frozen cup that, like, glowed at the bottom. It was the cheapest, like, thing you've ever seen in your life. I loved it. Oh my god. I worshipped that cup. I follow these, this is so off topic. I, fo- <laughs> I follow these people on YouTube, Cinema Therapy, and they did the, they did an episode on the second Frozen movie about how Kristoff is perfect man. Oh, oh yeah. 
No. When we came out of Frozen 2, my younger brother was pissed. He was like, no, my man Kristoff deserved so much better. He was no. About it. Low, low key. <laughs> actually, they should break no. up. They have should. you seen Have you seen the deleted clips of Kristoff and Anna breaking off their engagement? Yeah. So good. So good. And it's just like, yeah. Because Kristoff deserved better. He didn't need to be second to anyone. Yeah. He was, and for what? Again, that's another, like, guy who got roped in way too, way too deep when he was, like, just a ice mining boy. Mm-hmm. And now he's got to be, like, fucking king of Arendelle. Like, that's rough. Yeah. Though, I don't know. At least in his case, in, like, these newer Disney princess movies, they really, really try and push the, I'm female, I can do anything by myself because I am powerful. And yeah, so it makes it yeah. feel like, like, Anna doesn't need him. No. Like, Anna can be queen and he can just fuck off and do whatever he wants. Yeah, which is, like, in itself, it's another entirely toxic trope because it's like, oh, yeah. the woman can do everything. The man can go do whatever. So it's like, in a way, in trying to subvert the trope, you've played into it. It's like, equal parts, we don't need, like, fuck off men. And also, if you can't do everything, you're not woman enough. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly, you're not girl boss enough. (laughs) And it's like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? So, it's so much. It's so much. And there's also, like, a really bizarre... Talking about, like, the can-do princess archetype, like, taking Elsa into account, it's like, she just left. Oh, yeah. She just left. She just peaced out. Like, what is it with princesses and just leaving? Just being gone? It's her destiny. It's her, yeah, it's her, yeah it sure is. Her, her people are gonna die? Because Anna's in charge? Like, that's rough. I love Anna with all of my heart. Again, an addict to Frozen content. Mm-hmm. But, like, that kingdom is falling apart. Gosh, I kind of want more of like, if they're going to have a queen and they're one of the main characters, I almost want there to be more politics. Yeah, there definitely should be. Like, what the heck does Elsa do other than play charades? Yeah, we don't know. And we don't get to find out. Mm. Because like, we're supposed to take this, um, this sense of, oh, she's stressed by her political burden. It's like, what political burden? Yeah, yeah. It's more like, I feel like their jobs is to have empathy for their people. Mm-hmm. Which is like... And because of that, Anna will do better? That's a lovely place to say. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think if you're going to write a story about a princess, you have to... In order to keep the nuance of it, you've got to keep um, political intrigue. Mm. Uh, you have to not glorify it i think we've seen a lot of glorified princess life. oh yeah i don't know. You I, I really want to write a princess kind of like rapunzel who lives a normal a normal life and then finds out they're a princess and then they're like mm, no no thank yeah, you like that's not that's not my life no nah. yeah having a character who understands what it means to be a noble Mm-hmm. I think that's really important for those, like, especially, like, high fantasy worlds. Oh, yeah. Because, like, when you lose track of what it actually means to be politically wealthy, that's when you become less of a character and more of a figurehead. 
Mm-hmm. So, mm. I would warn our audience against writing like that. <laughs> we just went on a Disney rant. That, yeah, that was a that was a wild little conversation. That was <laughs> that went so many places. <laughs> Hence, did she get for choosing Rapunzel as the character? (laughs) We doing the break? Do we have break? Do we have to tell them that we're going to break? Hi, we're going to break. Yeah. Bye. Catch you after the break. I hope you enjoyed that segment as much as I have. It really gave me a lot to think about with uh, the Disney movie formula and Disney princesses. For today's episode, I wanted to pose a very special question. Do you think Halika and Victoria should write a Disney series or a Disney movie? On Spotify, there will be a poll at the bottom where you're able to answer this extremely important question. If we do not get answers, we just i don't know i we won't have the funding to continue i maybe maybe not you you don't know either way up next we see the story of an ai and what events could possibly humanize them that is all for me you're gonna hear that next segment and uh i will see you all in the next episode bye i may say it's very girl boss of her it's actually very war criminal of her I think they all commit war crimes eventually. They do, but like if we had to tier list um, the war criminals in Fire Emblem Three Houses, Edelgard is like top-notch war criminal. Like S tier. She's she's the worst. Like she she, really worked on that stat. Yeah, she did. (laughs) Yeah, she did. She like listen. I may not agree with Dimitri's like point of view after a while, but God. I kind of understand. I too would think that Edelgard killed all of my people if fucking if she looked the way she did, and she does. If she looked like Leia. If she looked like Leia with her funny little horns and her big axe, I would run. I would be scared. Edelgard was one hundred percent under the impression that genocide would be at the Olympics and she was training. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's such a Edelgard is so wild. I just love how out of hand she is. Like, Claude kind of just stays the same. He's like, yeah, let's not be racist, guys. And then Dimitri's like, you know, out of his mind, insane. Turns into a bear. Oh, yeah. Like, just looks like he hasn't showered. Is that what Felix calls him? Boar. Boar. Yeah. Yeah. And then Edelgard is just like, I've decided that everyone in Fodland will be under my rule because that's better than them being under the church. And it's like, that's not how that works. Well, I mean, Claude does a very similar thing. He just does it under the guise <laughs> of, like... Diplomacy. <laughs> diplomacy and let's not be racist. Yeah, like, guys, you know what sucks? Racism. Let's just not. Yeah, no. Claude is Claude is wild. But definitely his way of going about things is a little... Just a teensy bit more acceptable than Edelgard's methods of... Mm-hmm. I've decided to kill everyone who disagrees with me. Yeah. Honestly, Claude probably would have gone for diplomacy if not for the giant war that sprang like, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just love that, like, Dimitri and Edelgard are, like, doing their own thing, and Claude is like, do 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 do. Gonna go talk to some people. 
100 percent sibling rivalries there he's like i don't know why the other two are so riled up i'm having a good time claude is the middle child he is claude. i love claude okay <clears throat> All right, so I probably have a character for you, maybe. Do you probably? Do you maybe? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's... My character for you is an AI. Oh. So this can be a computer-based AI that exists inside a machine on an internet. On an internet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It can be a uh, machine like being like a robot that has the AI inside of it. Another option is it can be a 3D printed human Ooh. with a consciousness, but it's technically artificial. Right, right. I like the. So I have a prompt for you, as is uh, customary on this podcast. Mm. Um. I like the idea that the protagonist is an AI that's entirely virtual because the prompt is the protagonist blacks out and finds that they have woken up in a morgue. Ooh. So you're an AI. Uh Uh-huh. For all of your life, you've been basically (laughs) non-sentient. And then one day you wake up either in someone else's body or a body you don't recognize. Oh. Oh, no. And you just, you sort of, you can wake up if there's a coroner there, they're freaking out. But I think that's already, we've got a lot of intrigue. So are we waking up on the table? Or oh, yeah. Are we, okay. We're waking up. We are on the table. Because actually, was... <laughs> the original, the prompt that this is based on was like, it got a little too oddly specific. And it was like, there's half dissected bodies all around the room. It's like, okay, well, it is a morgue. <laughs> I don't know why there's like dissections going on. I don't know why there's multiple bodies out at one time. It's it's literally, it's a, I don't know. Promptus, do better. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, if you wake up in the cooler, can you get out of that? No, I think you're waking up on the table. Okay. So we're waking up on the table, Mm -hmm. what, knife an inch from his chest? Oh, God. I think this is, like, after the operation has been done. I think that's why the coroner, like, if they're there, are, like, super freaked out. Like, um... I just removed everything that was inside of you. Can we have a child corner? A child corner? A child corner? Tell me more. It's 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 a family business, obviously. <laughs> it's a family business. <laughs> How old is this child corner? Um the actually 14 but in pretend 12. Oh. <laughs> So 12? So 12? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Felt a little... A little... <laughs> so you're a 14, but technically 12. <laughs> Coroner. Uh, you're doing your job. You've just removed the organs of your latest, you know, corpse. You turn around, they're starting to sit up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we have two different, we have two different stories going on. (laughs) We have the poor AI who has never had the sensation of anything and the 14, but technically 12 year old coroner who's like, my family business is kind of gross, but I've always been sort of okay with it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they become our two main characters and the kid's trying to hide this body from his dad. Oh, oh yeah. Because, you know, the first thought this kid has is not, oh, the body's moving. It's, oh my god, I accidentally (laughs) dissected a real person. It's, I wasn't paying attention. And finally, (laughs) the consequences have kicked in. This is what I get for listening to music while cutting people open. Oh, oh yeah. Because you know if this were a movie, it's like he's got something blasting on the speaker. It's (laughs) terrible. It's why no one will work down there with him. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yes, sir. He's blasting Kids Bob 28. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps him concentrate. (laughs) Except he didn't concentrate. No, no, he's (laughs) freaking out. He's freaking out. He's apologizing. He's crying. I would cry. Yeah. He's sobbing. He's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. The AI. Is this an AI that understands human emotion? Does this AI have empathy? They do now. Because they have a brain. Oh, yeah. So for whatever reason, they're like, they want to comfort this kid. But I don't know (laughs) why. They're like, they, logically, the reasoning isn't there. They should just leave. But they see that this kid is crying. What's this body? Is it male or female? Because I, I wonder if it's female, they'd have, like, a motherly instinct to the child. Ooh, could be, could be. Could say, let's say it's female. So AI, she wakes up. She's in the body of a womph. <laughs> I think she's able to understand the body that she's in fairly quickly. She can run computations in her mind. Like, hmm, this body is female. But does this... So is this body artificially hers? Like, is this an entirely new person? Or did the AI just somehow manifest into an actual corpse? Um, I feel like it manifested into the corpse. But then my question is where... How are memories stored? Are memories a physical thing that's in the brain? I feel like... hmm. In this instance, I feel like we would have to talk about the AI replacing the consciousness of the previous woman entirely. Because then it Mm -hmm. creates this interesting... There's a couple ways you could play it. Like maybe uh, the AI and the coroner are out like running in the street and she gets recognized. But she can't, she just doesn't know who this other person is who's approaching her. Uh-huh. Or you could have her unlock little memories, like, one at a time. Uh-huh. That's interesting. That'd be almost like an amnesia story, then. Yeah. Like, this person doesn't, like, they know they're an AI, but they don't have any other memories, and then they're slowly getting them back as if they are this woman. Mm-hmm. What if the AI eventually convinces themselves that they are this woman? And they that want to become be, this woman. Yeah. Because that would be really interesting if we start this story from a point where it's like, well, coroner boy and AI are trying to get back to where the AI last remembers being, like her facility. Uh-huh. Um, and they're fighting, you know, their way through there, doing their little heist-esque missions. Mm-hmm. Um, up until the point where she decides she wants to just be a person. Yeah. Because then I feel like she chooses that over him to add conflict to the story. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, no, I don't want to go back. I'm not going to go back. And the coroner, being someone who actually cares about um, respecting the dead, is like, but you have to. Like, this body isn't yours. Mm-hmm. So then that creates a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. 
I think it'd be so interesting because you said like, oh, I want to be a person. Like my idea is she, the AI wants to be this person. Because I feel like being a person is fine. I would completely understand the AI wants to be a person. And I think the the coroner's kid would even be okay with that because I imagine they become friends by this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. But like this AI is just like, Mm, screw being an AI, screw you, coroner's kid. I'm going to go talk to my sister because that's totally right. my sister. Yeah, or even better, my husband. I'm going to oh. go see my kids. Oh, no. Cause you oh, know no. Yeah, because, you know, she could have, they obviously this escalates, they have an argument. She just tells him over and over, I could make them happy again. I could solve their problems by being me. And it's like, ooh. Do you write that scene? Do you write the scene where she goes home? I think you do. I think we do have to see that scene. Because then, you know, she storms off. She leaves Corner Boy alone. And it's like, she's trying to fit herself into a slot that she does not exist in. Mm-hmm. And I think that creates a whole different level to the story. Because what happens when she goes home? Everyone cries. Everyone cry- Everyone sobs. But I think one of the family members, whether it's one of her kids or even if it is her sister, I think that'd be amazing, knows that's not her. Oh, yeah. Someone's going to see, like, the scars on her the scars chest and belly. Even the just the way she talks. Or she says that a too. name wrong once, and that's enough. Yeah. She says her kid's name wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, she keeps calling them by their full names, and it's like... Um. Yeah. She can't do the secret handshake. No, no. And it's like... At first, you know, everyone else in the room passes it off like, well, it's been such a long time since we've seen you. Like, maybe it's been a few months and clearly you've been through the worst, referring to the scars. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one person who recognizes her for who she is is like, no, I don't know who you are, but you need to leave. Mm-hmm. I think we've also sidestepped the fact that this family is accepting that their mom has come back from the dead. <laughs> Yeah, which is, well, it's also, like, when you've been mourning, like, you would give anything to see that person one more time. I'm sure, but at the same time, these people watched, well, I guess they didn't watch their mom get buried. Yeah, because be, they just know that the body went missing. And that's if they even know that. Oh, what if it is just a missing person's case? Oh. And now she's been, like, unlocking the memory. She's figuring out, like, where this woman came from. Interesting. Would it then turn into a story of we need to find out what happened to this woman to give her family closure? Yeah, I think it'd be like that would probably be the overarching plot line. Also, we would have to figure out why the AI manifested in this woman specifically. Because I'm imagining she was some kind of researcher who happened to do something that instigated the change. Mm -hmm. It's like a wrong place at the wrong time situation could make it really easy say the woman was a researcher at the facility that runs the ai mm-hmm. well what would make it confusing is why the ai wouldn't recognize her but then maybe she wasn't the kind of woman who stood out maybe her research wasn't uh, as supplemental as the woman thinks it was mm. the ai could we could characterize the ai as just like dismissing information that doesn't matter like frequently cleaning out their files like oh this person this woman isn't important i'm just gonna delete her information from my interface all right so i don't need her yeah Mm. and that like gives room for growth later when this ai is inside of a human body and they learn human emotions and 
mm-hmm. how much people matter. That's true. All of the things that it had deemed useless is now extremely important because mm-hmm. that's what it wants. It wants all of the useless little things in life. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The, it'd be so heartbreaking at the end of this novel. Like, the the AI can't keep the body. No, it can't. The AI has to go back into a computer. Mm-hmm. Probably never see little corner boy again. Right. Unless corner boy, I don't know. Unless there's some weird negotiation scene with the researchers, but I feel like that's too much. Because I feel like this is this. Could the researchers be a, aren't giving up their AI. They're not. I feel like they don't even understand what's happening. Need like, that too. They go into work one day. Their entire life's work is gone. Like it won't turn on. All of its files are missing. It's like what happened? It's like it never existed in the first place. Suddenly, worse. this woman comes in saying, "Hello, I am your AI." Yeah. What would be interesting is the AI transfers back, loses all, like, it can't process human emotion anymore. It can't process any emotion. So it's kind of, it goes back to its cycles, but maybe the corner boy finds a way to visit it somehow. Mm. Or sends it, like, emails or something dumb like that. And, like, we end on that note of the AI going back to erasing all the things that mean nothing to her. It's like, every day I get an email from this random corner. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know if I would want to end it like that. I think I would, I, w- I like the idea of like erasing all human emotion from them as soon as they get into a computer. But I love like, maybe there's just this one file on there that's like some inkling of emotion or the ability to want something. And this AI now has a want for human connection and they don't understand why Mm, mm -hmm. i do like that to show that there was just the tiniest bit of growth yeah it's like a miracle in data but yeah Yeah. ais are really interesting i would love to read some ai stories from our audience if anyone wants to write anything and send it to us that would be amazing Mm -hmm. we will email you back Yes. And we won't deem them unnecessary and delete them. (laughs) Like the AI. We promise it is not an AI running our email list. No, no, no. It's our producer. (laughs) Who might be an AI, but we're pretty sure he's not. Pretty sure. One can never be too sure. But in any case, thank you all for coming out tonight. It was crazy seeing all of your lovely faces. Um, Yeah. Thank you for listening to Off the Notepad. I have no idea how to end this now that we're not saying Camus. I know, me neither. I hope you submitted to Camus. I will find you. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Send us, send us some of your work. Tell us what you think. If you have any prompts that you're interested in and you want to hear us talk about, or any characters you're stuck with, let us know. Yeah, our email is offthenotepad at gmail.com. Yeah. And with that, we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.